listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Let's start with the NBA title favorite, the not New Jersey, the Brooklyn Nets. Fez has a real take on this one, and I was going to start there anyway, so I think it's the Vegas late. Yeah, it was the Brooklyn Nets last night with a win over the New Orleans Pelicans. 134-129 was the final. Kyrie Irving, 32 points to lead Brooklyn. We had a nice pizza bet on that one, and uh, I thought them getting points there didn't make a ton of sense because we know Kyrie and, and the motivation. Fez, you're going to lead the show. What is your take? And just to be clear, the favorites right now to win the title, Nets plus 240. Lakers, number two, three and a half to one. Clippers, number three, six to one. Jazz, seven and a half to one. Milwaukee, nine to one. Sixers, 11 to one. No one else is better than 20 to one. So that's Nets, Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Bucks, Sixers. What's your hot take? I am shocked that the Nets' odds to win the NBA title and to win the East did not change based upon the news that Harden is going to be out likely until the playoffs. Okay, so the adjustment here, if we look at uh, even a couple days ago, uh, 240, 240, so there's been no movement. No movement. Okay, so let's play devil's advocate. What we know is the NBA regular season, in some ways, is not consequential. We could say it doesn't matter. Now, obviously, you got to be in the top eight or in the top six to have the guarantee, then the potential play-in, all that. So it matters. But if you're amongst the best teams, it doesn't seem to matter all that much. We saw Brooklyn tell us that with their actions when they had that really – uh, important game seemingly against Philadelphia last week. And it was a situation where they had a day game the day before that had been postponed from the night before that in Denver, was it? Minnesota. Minnesota. And they played at the time a healthy KD. And then they sat him the next day, which was against the Sixers, not against the T-Wolves. All right. Didn't make a ton of sense. And that was at a time... The Nets and the Sixers were both tied atop the East, and their series price was tied. So, you know, 1-1. Not the price, but the, I, I guess the uh, tally. 1-1 for the series. And thus, whoever won that game had a big edge to win the East. Nets said, I don't care. So now, if we assume that the regular season doesn't matter all that much, what has happened with the Nets that affects the playoffs. That's the devil, devil's advocate question, which is, yeah, you're right. He's going to miss some regular season games. What does it matter? Well, I think it matters two factors. One, if Hard, even if Harden's 100% for the playoffs, the integration— All right, so let's be clear. What you're saying is potentially lingering injury issues. Ex- like, he's not going to get—in theory, he's not going to get better the day before the playoffs start. Exactly. So that's the first concern. Okay. The second concern is integration with the team. The big three have only played seven games together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to blink, and they're going to be in the second round of the playoffs, and they're going to be playing Milwaukee, likely. Has the team had enough time to gel? No. And the funny thing about playing Milwaukee is they could have avoided that— if they won the East, they had the number one seed. The, I, it's my theory that the number one seed matters more this year than most years. Why? Because the difference between the fourth seed 
and the third seed in the East. Third being most likely Milwaukee. Fourth being who knows. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter. Atlanta. I guess Miami's still in it. Sure. Or, okay. But we know Milwaukee's much better than the next best team in the East other than the Nets and the Sixers. So if you got to play in the second round, pick the best of the also-rans in the East or Milwaukee with Giannis on a mission. Now, listen, obviously Giannis and that team hasn't done well in the playoffs. Still, I mean, there's a reason right now the Bucks have a better title odds, 9-1, to one, than the Sixers at 11-1. I don't agree with that. But why in the heck are you going to be playing that team in round two if you can avoid it? And then that's, I get, sometimes you can't avoid it, but they don't even seem, at least in that Sixers game, to have tried. Steve Fezzik says the following. Hey, if he's injured now, maybe he's not going to be fully recovered for the playoffs, Harden specifically. You can make the same case with KD. To whatever degree we were sure about KD's health when he was missing those games, and it was like, it's precautionary precautionary. It's a precaution. All right. Well, he comes back and he gets a knee in the thigh or whatever, and he's out for, it seems like another week. I mean, don't hit his leg with one of those in the airport with one of the rollings, <laughs> like luggage, or I mean, it could be a week too. I mean, think about that, that the uncertainty around the health of the Nets for the playoffs has two negatives we didn't even have two weeks ago. KD with another round seemingly of fragileness, and now Harden going from maybe missing a game to missing, what was it, 15 or so day or like two weeks or so it was, and now it's even more, how shocked would we be? You know, he's not going to make the first round. How shocked would we be? Not at all. I think we're going to go to Jonas here. I think there's one more thing that's kind of a cousin of what you're saying that means the Nets need to be downgraded. To whatever degree they may not be healthy coming into the playoffs, to whatever degree they might not be cohesion uh, integrated well as team with only seven games with all three of the big three, I also think the odds of the next injury go up. If har- hamstrings happen, I mean, you know, someone pulls a hammy, they're being ginger with it for a while, and then boom, they pull it again. Right? Yes. I mean, Harden's been a rock, really, injury-wise, over his career. Him being out here makes the guy that you can count on, at least physically, not so reliable. And obviously, KD is, is like China, like your mom is China right now. I don't think the Nets have much of a chance to win it without the big three. Even one absence, I think, is a problem. And... It seems to me whatever odds we thought it was that the big three would be healthy throughout the playoffs two weeks ago, that perspective, the odds have decreased significantly in these two weeks. To me, that deserves a downgrade for the Nets, but they haven't been downgraded. They are the favorite still to win the NBA title. Lakers number two. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, RJ, one of the big question marks atop the NFL draft is what the 49ers do at number three with the pick they acquired from the Miami Dolphins in that trade a month and, a month or so ago. And now the odds have moved back to from one quarterback in Justin Fields to now another who is favored yet again to go number three. Yeah, this one is interesting because it goes to show you, and Jonas, you've talked about this, 
as an observer of odds, it felt like that the swing in the odds for the draft has been kind of um, capricious. It's been like kind of willy-nilly. It's like, oh, look, so-and-so's pro day is today. Let's make him a, a, the surging favorite. Mm. It, it, it felt thin. Like what's been driving the odds, has it's felt thin. It hasn't felt like merit has been behind the moves. Has that been your impression, Jonas? Yeah, because we talked about one of the draft day moves that we were on the air for right after it had happened was the Baker Mayfield going uh, from not being favored to go number one overall to being the favorite to go number one overall. And that was based on real evidence. Like we that saw was that, game, as, that was draft day. Right. Yeah. And this doesn't feel anything like that. This just feels like, you know, one subtle shift here, one subtle shift there. And it was like the last seen report on whichever one of these quarterbacks is even in the mix bumps them up in the odds. Well, let's look at the calendar. It, <laughs> it was certainly a little, um, we'll say clownish even, but like literally a week ago, a week ago, Mac Jones was the clear favorite to be the third pick of the 49ers, third pick in the entire draft, and he was in the minus 200 range. So you had to bet $2 to win a dollar on Mac Jones, a clear favorite, right around 66%. Then Justin Fields has a pro day. So everyone starts thinking, huh, maybe it's Justin Fields. And then (laughs) the odds went where Justin Fields became a minus 200 favorite. And Mac Jones was like plus 180. So like one minute you're having to lay two to win one on Mac Jones. Oh, like four days later, one wins you almost two, plus 180. Now, okay, something comes out in the athletic, whatever else, blah, blah, blah. And now Mac Jones is again the favorite at minus 145. Justin Fields plus 160. Trey Lance, four to one. Now... I'm not saying this is the driver of it, Jonas, but I did give a pick on Mac Jones. And at the opportune time, well, we were plus 150, right, McKenzie? That's right. But see, this is the one time you're actually getting in at a, at a good price. See, like follow me. <laughs> not like my Embiid bet. No, no. This is buying low, McKenzie. Yeah. That's what you mm. want to do. You know what's funny? Did you hear the show yesterday? When <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't follow what I was asking him. <laughs> well, he's so embarrassed at the and, price uh, he got. Uh, yeah, that's a good. I mean, it was like, I mean, literally he waited the whole year. If he had, you know, like in Back to the Future where you have the almanac, if he had the almanac of the day-by-day move of the MVP market <laughs> in 2021 – he would have said, that's the point. If if we want people to think I'm square, maybe it's camouflage. Mm. <laughs> like, you know, like in blackjack, people will make bad plays. So the how, you know, you know this, Fez, because you're, you're, you used to play professionally. So the house would say, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. He just did something, right? McKenzie said, I'm buying Embiid at the worst possible time. And he got hurt, I think it was, what, four hours later? <laughs> I think it was like 12. <laughs> that's Mackenzie Rivers. I don't want to say pregame.com, but I got to. <laughs> I'm R.J. Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. All right. So, Fez, I mean, let's not belabor this point. I think the odd swing is interesting. I think the fact, and Jonas brings it up, I think, very astutely, we're not betting rumors. We're not betting news stories. We're betting who an individual team is going to take. And the question is, why would the 49ers say it's Mac Jones if it wasn't Mac Jones. And I don't think they had any reason to. In fact, a couple days ago, we talked about the reasons they had to get the word out. 
And the main reason being, at least at the time they thought to take him, it was going to be controversial. And thus, as we talked about, if you get that, that controversial thing out there early, people get worked up about it, and then they kind of forget about it. And then a couple weeks later, when it happens, they're going to be like, ah, we've already gotten mad at that. What are we going to do? That's right. I heard about that a couple weeks yeah. ago. Right, yeah. So there is that phenomenon that I think seeds the ground for the 49ers to make this pick. I also think it was a situation to let it get out there through Shafter specifically was to give Mac Jones a sense that you've been our guy from the start. Give him confidence. And also I thought it was potentially see how he does in the spotlight because you can always – uh, pull back and make another decision because what Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, reports is there's a number of key scouts in the building that do like Trey Lance. So it's Kyle Shanahan's exclusive. He has total control of the pick, is my understanding, as reported, but he wants to give a sense of inclusiveness to the rest of the scouts. Hey, you really like Trey Lance? Okay, we're going to send... Uh, put a quarterback coach back on him. We're going to go out to the second uh, you know, pro day. And then when they end up picking, as I think they will, Mac Jones, there's going to be a sense that you were heard. If you like Trey Lance, you were heard. Okay, Jonas, question. On the herd today, Colin made, I thought, a really good point that The Athletic had an article about the quarterbacks and some, uh, I guess, anonymous uh, quotes of the various quarterbacks and the real reoccurring theme with Mac Jones was he's ready sooner. That amongst everyone that will be available at three, he's by far going to be ready before Justin Fields, before Trey Lance. That makes a ton of sense to me. I'm not sure that's the main reason, but what's your take on the, the whole factor of who's going to be ready first? Because I would make the case the 49ers with Jimmy G – had the potential to have a guy take half a season or even a season if he had much more of an upside. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, I mean, we heard the same thing about Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was the most ready quarterback of that entire draft class, and we've seen how that's worked out, and he's just never really gotten an opportunity. Wow, he got an opportunity in Arizona (laughs) to stink. Well, yeah, but I mean, the way that was run, he didn't really get a a fair crack. That that whole thing was a disaster. The the O-line was really problematic that year. Yeah, and and his coach, just the decision to put him in when they put it, it was just, it was bizarre. But nonetheless, I mean, he was talked about as the guy who was pro-ready. That was the most pro-ready quarterback of that draft class. So I look at the 49ers, I think of all the places near the top, they're by far and away the best destination to go if you're a young quarterback, especially a young quarterback that you think needs some time to groom because you do have Garoppolo under contract and you do have him for another year. So the idea that you want to rush and get Mac Jones in there, unless he's a significant upgrade over Garoppolo, that's where it, it doesn't make sense to me. Mackenzie, check on Jimmy G's contract. I thought he had two years left. Can you check on that? Yes. I just, you know, I'm not even sure how pertinent it is, but but I, I well, I'll, we'll see. That's interesting. But you're, at minimum, they got him this year. Yeah, they have him for another couple of years, but they yeah. can get out of the contract, I think, after this year, and, and I, I don't think it'll cost Yeah, with a $1.4 million dead cap hit, so yeah. two years, but, yeah. but essentially if they, but you but, but usually with a contract, and this has nothing to do with Jonas's comment, but the theory is the team wants the contract, so the, the more he's under contract, the better. But then if the contract's longer, to get out of it sometimes can because if you defer – 
uh, bonuses and stuff, there can be dead cap money. But the way they front-loaded his contract was from this point on, they could get away from him without any real consequence. Is that fair to say? Exactly right. But they have two years if they want it. Yeah. Okay, we're straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the thing you got to know about Faz. The city he invented was Las Vegas. I mean, not really, but kind of. <laughs> All right, I'm not sure I agree with this one. Give us the draft prop first. All right, Alabama's wide receiver and Heisman Trophy winner Smith to go over 11 and a half so that he now won't explain, be picked. Explain what over is when it comes to the over-under draft. So he won't be picked in the first 11 picks. You win if he's picked 12th or later with this bet. All right, so it's either later or earlier is another way to say it. And you're saying later than pick number? 11 and a half. What's the rationale? The rationale is that he certainly has the reputation, Heisman Trophy winner, but the latest mock drafts have him falling initially he was projected to be like the 10th or 11th pick, and now I'm starting to see him 12th, 13th. The sentiment is that Smith is not going to be picked in the top 10 and is falling out of the top 10, clearly. Now, shrewd listeners are going to say, wait a minute, the betting market is supposed to be super savvy, and you're telling me Mel Kuyper, I look at Mel Kuyper, and Steve Fezzik is following Mel Kuyper. (laughs) Response. At times, Mel Kuyper's implied bets are correct if you get that at them early. At, at times, they're correct, and at times, they're not. What does that even mean? If you get at bets like this before significant line moves— And, and what's been the line move? The line has only been one, one uh, point, so it's gone from 10.5 to 11. One slot. One, one slot. One slot. Thank you. Okay, so here's what I would say. I kind of like this pick, and here's why. The quarterbacks, it wasn't that long ago we weren't sure how many quarterbacks were going to go in the top, in this case, let's say 11. Now it's almost certain. I mean, the odds of uh, the four quarterbacks not going, uh, I guess it's five quarterbacks, right? The five quarterbacks, so there's only going to be six other picks if the five quarterbacks go in the top 11. Jonas, you don't think there's any real chance... I mean, no one drops out of the top 11 of the big five, do they? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think the first non-quarterback to go would be Pitts. And yeah. outside of that, I mean, it's going to be five QBs, and then you've just got to find You know you the got top. Pitts. You know you got Sewell. Pen- Pen- you know, the, the tackle. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, so here's what I'm going to say. The thing that makes me like this is there's odds with – Smith versus the other key, the LSU receiver, right? Or I'm sorry, Waddle. It's Waddle he's going against. And the odds right now are Waddle and Smith being uh, even. Correct. Who goes first? Here's what I would say if Waddle goes first, there's no chance that you don't win this bet. It is going to be later for sure. Absolutely. If Waddle doesn't go first and Smith does, I believe. That it's still probably sixty, you know, forty percent chance it goes later. Meaning, it's very possible Waddle doesn't have to go. I mean, the LSU receiver is going first. Yeah, he's probably going to go number six or seven around there. 
Well, remember, it's going to be team-based. I mean, Cincy yeah. will take him, uh, you know, but yeah. So, Cincy may take him. If not, you know, we could see. But, um, by the way, we talked about this. Uh, the odds on that fourth pick, Pitts is, this is the Falcons now. FanDuel came out with these odds. Pitts is the favorite, the minus money favorite, minus 140. Justin Fields second, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. So it's really Pitts is the one position player, non-quarterback, they think will go Atlanta for. I kind of like this, and I also think this, and we'll go to Jonas real quick. The This is going to be a conservative draft. Because think about it. Typically, you got um, the pro days are, are one piece of the puzzle, right? Because you got the combine. Well, this year, you don't have the combine. But more importantly, the teams were forbade, forbidden by the NFL to go on campus with their scouts during the season. They were not allowed. So those campus visits are a big, big deal. And the fact they don't have, didn't have them this year, it really is going to, I think, cause the teams to be conservative. And thus taking a guy who's 165 pounds, maybe they're going to be a little risk adverse this year. Jonas, uh, real quick thoughts. Yeah, I think he's going to be the third wide receiver taken. I think uh, Chase and Waddle go above him. And then he's, he's got just, a winner, so. Yeah, absolutely, because just it's a numbers game at that point, how many slots are left, and, and Fez just has to beat a couple of more. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. <laughs> 